Hey everybody, James Shepard here with the Merchant Sales Podcast. We've got a special edition for you. I did a live event recently on dual pricing for card not present merchants. We talked about what the challenges are with card not present. I believe it's one of these key objectives in 2023 that agents and ISOs need to shift some of their focus to the card not present world. And I believe that dual pricing with the cat with the sorry, the ACH and the card price is a fantastic way to do that. Then we're going to transition and I have a special guest from Payrock that has some unique technology along these lines as well. So I think what this will show you is there's a lot of available technology to attack this market. So let's listen into the live event recording that I just did a few weeks ago on dual pricing for card not present merchants and also we'll touch on compliance surcharging and why these two options are taking off. Let's dive in. All right. My name is James Shepard and I would like to welcome you to this event on selling dual pricing and surcharging to card not present merchants. So um, I just had a really good uh, uh, podcast interview I did actually right before this. And you know one of the things that I think is so interesting right now is that when we think about the risk to our industry, for those of you that are selling payment processing as an individual agent or an ISO, a huge part of that risk is the fact that we haven't jumped on card not present. So I've got a couple of questions for those of you that are on. Um, so if you look over to the right, you're going to see a little uh, kind of question box there. So I have a couple of questions I want to ask. Number one, how many of you that are on here um, how many of you sell more card not present than card presence? I'm just curious to put in there, what do you focus on most? So put in CNP or CP over in the question box. So if you focus mostly on card present, put CP. If you focus mostly on card not present, put CNP. And I just want to see, I'm just curious. So again, if you're, you know, I, I see uh, Steven here is 50-50. Um, Tina's card not present. Eric, card present. Vince, card present about 50-50. Yeah, why not both, right, John? Yes, that's the point. <laughs> so you're, you're a step ahead of me today, okay? Um, good, uh, about 50-50. Well, that's great. So a lot of you are going 50-50. Okay, that's good. All right, good. Okay, so I'm seeing a lot of 50-50s here. Okay, I have a couple of other questions just to kind of set the stage a little bit here. So my next question is, in the U.S. right now, would you say that more businesses are starting that are card not present? or that are card present. So new businesses that are starting in the United States right now, are they primarily card present or card not present? What are, what are we gonna see uh, right now with businesses that are starting? Yeah, and I think everybody's everybody's got this one, right? Yeah, so in case you didn't know, card not present is the number of new businesses starting that are card not present. I don't have the stats. I looked them up earlier, but I don't have them on top of my head, but it's massively greater, like, like huge, huge, meaning there are like many, many, many times more businesses that are starting card not present than card present. So if you're an entrepreneur today and you've got that entrepreneurial tendency and you say, man, I really want to, I want to go start a business, right? Well, what business are you going to start if that's you? Are you going to go out and open a hobby store? Are you going to open a coffee shop? Are you going to open a auto repair uh, shop? Maybe, right? There's some people, of course, that do that. But what are you more likely to do? Now, you're more likely to start a service company, a software company, right? Um, something that's card not present, you know, an e-commerce. You're much more likely to start something like that, okay? So I want to dive in here and talk to you about this. Um, I have one last question to ask, you, ask everybody, though. So I need everybody to go over to the question box on the side to answer this one because I'm really curious. 
So as of today, right now, how many card not present merchants have you sold? Now, hold on one second before you answer. Hold on. Not e-commerce. So I'm talking about businesses that are card not present, but not e-commerce. So they're doing virtual terminal. They're doing um, you know, e-invoicing, something like that. So card not present merchants that are using a virtual terminal or they're using, maybe you're selling them a software that's integrated with payments, but it's for card not present. So these would be, you know, HVAC providers. These would be home service providers. These would be, you know, things along those lines, um, services, you know, how many have you sold? Um, okay. Four or 500, um, 75 to a hundred, um, newer to the industry. So haven't, uh, sold too many of those yet. Right. Seeing a lot of them that haven't sold as many. Okay. Which is kind of what I figured. Right. So, um, right. Roughly 40 out of 300, uh, three to five. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, when we think about these trends with card not present, it gets really exciting when you think about the opportunity that exists. But then when we layer on top of that dual pricing and surcharging, now things get really interesting. And now we see this really huge opportunity that I want to dive into today. So we do have our special guest, James Derby, which I'm going to introduce in about five or 10 minutes here. But I just have a couple of things I want to cover with you. And then I'm going to get uh, James Derby on. I've got a bunch of questions for him that we're going to dive into as well. So here we go. Let's dive in. So why card not present? Okay. Why should we sell card not present merchants? Why do we want to target them as opposed to card present? Of course, we want to target both. But why should we go card not present? Three reasons. Number one, less competitive. Now, what is so amazing to me is that if you reach out, if you walk into the average retail store, auto repair shop, quick serve restaurant and say to them, how many times in the last week have you been contacted by somebody about payment processing or point of sale? They will usually, depending on, you know, if you're in Manhattan or, you know, in a rural area, but they're going to say many times, right? In a week, like multiple times in a week. If you talk to a home inspector or a company that provides plumbing services or um, HVAC or lawn care services, and you ask them and said, how many people in the last year, not week, year, have contacted you about payment processing? Most of those people will say either none or they'll say they saw some ads online or maybe a couple people. But I mean, it is like massively less competitive. And the reason is really simple. It's because everybody on this call right now, right? We don't target them. Like, you know what I mean? We don't prospect them. We don't go after them aggressively. We're like, well, if we get a referral, we'll go ahead and take it, right? But we're not aggressively going after them as an industry. And again, I know I'm generalizing. I know many of you from the comments, like that's your main focus, which is fantastic. But you know, as an industry, we haven't done a great job of going after card not present. So it's less competitive as a result. Um, lower expectations. And here's what I mean by that. You know, I don't know about you, but like the card present space is getting a little bit harder as far as the expectation. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, you used to be, I would go sell a hair salon and it was like, you know, what was their expectation? Well, their expectation was I was going to give them a VX 510. And if I was really, really good, I would set it up as a multi-merchant account where they could go between the different stylists. You know what I mean? Like that was cutting edge, you know? Now it's like, well, do you have appointments, you know, appointment scheduling? Yes. Okay. Well, do, can, can my customers pay online before the appointment? 
no. Oh, well, then I'm not interested. You know, it's like, man, really? Like, you know, and I get it because they do need that, you know, but it's like the expectations keep ratcheting up because everybody's going after them with these software offers. And so, you know, it, it's it's more competitive, but also that expectation is higher with what they want. Whereas, you know, you go to a, uh, you know, I was talking the other day, this, uh, this guy came out and um, they were working on my furnace. And it's a pretty big company, actually, in the area. And I was talking to them and it's like, I think I'm going to end up setting them up. And, you know, what they need is they need a virtual terminal that doesn't look like it, you know, came out of the fifties. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they want. They want a virtual terminal that works. Um, it's like, okay, I can do that, you know? Um, and so the, the expectations are, are generally a little bit lower with these card not present, especially service provider type merchants. Um, and then finally, again, the technology needs So going right along with that, the lower expectation, what they want, but then on the technology side, getting them set up and running is actually pretty easy. And I mean, we could really even lump e-commerce in with this a little bit because it's like, you know, you give them the credentials, they put it into the shopping cart and they're good to go, right? If their shopping cart supports your gateway. Um, or, you know, if it's a home service provider, it's like, here's your login to the virtual terminal. You know, let's have a demo so I can show you how to use it for 30 minutes and you're off to the races, you're good to go. Whereas, you know, you sell a fine dining restaurant you know, you're going to be in there for three days, getting all the, yeah, everything set up, getting all the wires run, training the staff, adding the menu. You know what I mean? There's a lot involved. And so that's not to say there's never a lot involved with card not present, but it's just, you know, on, on the whole, I mean, on average, it's uh, the technology needs seem to be a little bit more straightforward uh, with that vertical. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit easier. Okay. All right. So let's go to the next one here. Okay. So then the question becomes, why dual pricing and surcharging? So why do we want these programs specifically for these card not present merchants? And I've got three reasons for that as well that I want to talk to you about. Um, number one is consumer behavior. And this is a really, really big one. So if I go to buy, let, let's say, let's say hypothetically, I call to order pizza. Okay. And when I get to the end of the call to order the pizza, um, and, and if I said, okay, well, I need to pay with my card. And they said, we don't take credit cards. That would be a very significantly negative experience. In fact, it would be so negative that I would be very upset with the pizza shop. that They stayed on the phone with me for 10 minutes, taking my order or five minutes or whatever, without telling me they didn't take card. And I would certainly never, ever call that pizza place ever again. I mean, game over, right? So the ability to take cards there is kind of this like sacred thing in these physical location businesses. You know, it's like you have to take card. I mean, that's, you know, and as a result of that, there's a little more kind of uh, pushback from the from the merchant when it comes to dual pricing and surcharging because they're like, well, it's kind of like they realize how important this is to their customers. So they're like a little bit nervous about this idea of like, oh, hold on a minute. What are we doing? You know, so um, when it comes to card not present, right? Well, when I got my thing done with my furnace, I called up the place and said, hey, can I pay with my card? And, you know, it was like, well, you can. It's going to be a 5% fee added on. And I really didn't even think much of it. And it was like for, I don't know, $10,000 or something. And I said, oh, you know what? I'll just write you a check. And, you know, and I like, so I'm, you know, if they would have said, we don't even take cards because these orders are so large, we would just, we don't take cards. I mean, as a credit card processing professional, I would have been disappointed by that. Would I have never worked with them again to fix my furnace? I don't know. I mean, I don't really care that much, right? So the idea here is this group of businesses 
And again, there's some exceptions, right? Some of these service providers have recurring revenue and things like that. But I mean, you know, these card now present merchants, it just, it's not as big of a deal. You know, I, one of the companies I own does self-storage uh, management software with payments. And, you know, a lot of these self-storage properties still get 40% of their revenue in cash or check. Maybe a lot of them I've talked to get 70%, you know, it's like, People just don't care as much there. I mean, I think there's still a big convenience factor and, and there's a reason why we want to sell the card processing because customers are going to like it. They're going to use it, but it's not quite as big of a deal to them where they're going to be really upset if it's there's some, you know, different price for card or cash. They kind of expect that. So the consumer behavior is just very different there. Um, secondly, the rising acceptance cost. Visa just did a big uh, change to the interchange structure. And that change was that they reduced a few of the rates on the card present side, but they increased the rates on the card not present side. And so these card not present businesses, I mean, you know, a good example of this, I went out uh, this last summer, I bought one of these big like wooden swing set things for my uh, kids, like seven or $8,000. And when I went in there and, and I went to use my card, I mean, the guy was like discouraging me from using it, you know? He's like, well, uh, we really prefer not to take card. That's what he's telling me. And I'm like the credit card guy, you know, we really prefer not to take card. It, we would be willing to wait. Uh, if you would rather just pay us when we, when we get there, we'll, you'll take a check. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. Like you're going to deliver this thing to me and you don't even have any payment just because you don't want to pay the credit card processing fee. And so, you know, this rising cost of card acceptance on these three, four, five, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 transactions is really high. And these businesses are, you know, it's a big pain point for them. Um, and so that's, that's a really big issue. So there's that pain point there. The consumer behavior is fine. The merchant is like, generally they're not quite as worried. Their customers are going to be upset because it's like, well, if they're upset, they'll pay with a check. That's what they do anyway, you know? Um, then lastly, new technology. So the main reason I think it hasn't really taken off other than the fact that as an industry, like I said, we haven't done a great job of, um, you know, prospecting for card not present, but you know, the other reason I think it hasn't taken off is the technology just hasn't been great to do it. And that's why we have uh, James uh, Derby here from Payrock, which we're going to talk to here in just a minute about some of the technology piece of it as well. Okay, two more slides. I'm going to run through. Actually, there's one more here. We're going to go through real quick. Um, and then I'm going to get uh, James Derby on because we're going to dive into this a bit more in detail. But, you know, the, the final question is, okay, if you see the opportunity for card not present, you understand why it, it's going to be such a big deal. You understand that you can make a lot of money at it. It's a growing market, lots of new businesses. Expectations are low. Com competition is low. Uh, the technology that you need is pretty straightforward. It's like, okay, cool. I get it. Dual pricing and surcharging makes sense. So what do I do, right? Like, how do I prospect? And there's really three key channels that I think you should all be thinking about. And I like to think about them uh, actually together, not as like separate things, but more as like, these are three things that can work together in your favor. You've got cold calling, which frankly just hasn't gotten a lot of attention when it comes to card not present. And it's just like, to me, it's super easy. I did this a lot when I was selling full-time. I sold a lot of card not present back then. It was like literally just, here's the virtual terminal. Nobody ever asked for hardly anything else, honestly. But, you know, I did a lot of cold calling. I thought it was super easy. Every time, you know, every time I called a, a, a local business that's physical location, you know, card present, they were mad that I called and I had to do this whole pitch and, you know, get better and better and better at it to get around all the objections to be able to get an appointment. I'd rather just walk in off the street. Well, when it comes to card not present, you know, I call a home inspector. They say, hey, how's it going? And I start talking to them about what I'm doing. And we have a conversation. They don't, they're not like angry because they haven't gotten called 17 times by a processor in the last three weeks, you know? So um, cold calling over the phone, I think is, is great in person. You know, there's ways you can go out there. We've talked about it in a lot of different videos, but cold calling is great. 
Um, networking is fantastic. Getting involved in networking groups, finding people that are card not present, join the a local chamber of commerce. And then you reach out to everybody in the chamber and just, Hey, I'm a new member of the chamber. I want to just, you know, speak with you and, you know, introduce myself and all that. And then you, you know, get things from the networking side. Um, the last one on here that I think is honestly one of the best ones, but it's hard for me to make content around, honestly, a lot of times, but Facebook groups are amazing. You know, you got to be careful. It's not like, it's not instant results. It takes a while to build up kind of a reputation in a new group. But, um, you know, if you join these groups about these really specific verticals for, you know, home inspectors or for uh, HVAC providers or whatever, um, you know, if you look up your state and look up your state and then put the word like HVAC, um, you're probably going to find a group on Facebook that, you know, is for that. So join that group and you're there to learn and you're there to interact. Um, and, you know, then as opportunities arise, you eventually can start sending messages to people, um, making comments, uh, making the, the, the really well-placed post that's not spammy at all. It's just kind of like three things that HVAC, uh, you know, providers need to understand about payment processing, right? And so doing things like that, videos, you know, so you can do a lot of things in that. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of the Facebook groups and that's another great way to prospect. So um, you can look at these things even together. You'll get email addresses, build your own Facebook group um, to do more networking, right? Network through the Facebook group, uh, then do cold calling through the Facebook group. And so there's a lot of ways you can put these together um, and utilize them. So. Uh, I am going to go to our next slide here, and then uh, let's see here. Mr. Derby, if you want to go ahead and uh, get your webcam opened up here. All right, there he is. How you doing there, James? I'm good. How are you, James? I'm doing fantastic. Always great when we get both Jameses on here, you know what I mean? And so uh, it's a good thing. So, uh, hey, before we dive in today, for those in our audience who maybe weren't on the last event we did or the podcast that we've done, Give us a, this a real short version of your of your background. How did you get into this industry, and then how did you end up doing what you're doing today at uh, at Payrock? Sure. Uh, long and short is this: I spent about 22 years in point of sale, really specialized in hospitality and restaurants. Had a lot of different card processing uh, partners over the years. Found Payrock, uh, garnered an amazing relationship with them, built that business with them for a few years, and eventually um, I was fortunate enough to be acquired by Payrock and. They brought me in as kind of one of their product specialists. So that's how I ended up here off today. Love it. So, you know, my first question here, and, and I love talking to you because you have all this data because you guys, you know, with Payrock, you guys have been doing consumer choice and, and you know, you've been doing dual pricing and surcharging for quite a while. Um, why is this such a big opportunity? You know, when you look at card not present, why do you believe this is such a big opportunity for agents? And what are the trends that you're seeing around card not present and the adoption of these kind of alternate programs? Yeah, so I actually wrote down a few of your, your notes here. You nailed it in the beginning, right? I, I think it is a very underserviced market um, or part of our market that, that is being underserviced and undersold, meaning that it's also, I wrote down, it's, it's also very sticky, right? So once yeah. you get somebody ingrained in an ecosystem for card not present, whether it's being their invoicing system, posted payment page or payment link or whatever, you know, they get very used to that as opposed to maybe swapping out a standalone terminal. So right. once you get them in there, and chances are they're going to, they might be using an older gateway today. Um, and when you give them something a little bit more shiny, a little refreshed UI, UX experience, something that's very easy to use, and also couple that with some different, uh, uh, you know, new pricing models uh, that are advantageous for both the merchant and uh, us, the agents and the processor, you got a winning combination there. And, and to your point, James, I don't think we're, we're going after these as hard as we could be. Yeah. 
So, so let's get really practical for our audience here. When, when we talk about these businesses that are gravitating towards uh, dual pricing and, and, and or surcharging uh, one of these models with you know, the virtual terminal or the invoicing or whatever, what are some business types where Payrock has done really well that you think would be, you know, just kind of give them some ideas of like who, they're, who they should be going after? Yeah, and we could probably get into, a, I think, the level two and level three interchange optimization a little bit later in the conversation, but it, yeah. it really it depends on the, the sophistication of the business. And that doesn't necessarily just mean what their monthly volume is, right? It, it could just be a lot of other moving parts. What, what do they sell? How do they sell it? What kind of cards are going through that business? And that can help you as an agent determine and even give them a couple different statement analysis on different pricing models that are A, going to really help their bottom line, and B, maybe be more digestible to their, their merchant or customer base. Again, when you say what kind of businesses, we see it across the spectrum. I mean, every small mom and pop to auto dealerships. You mentioned some great ones about verticals was the services industries. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time I had anybody come to the house to perform any kind of service, whether it be landscaping, you mentioned plumbing, HVAC. I can't remember the last time somebody took a card present uh, transaction for me on site. It's always getting an invoice uh, before putting down a deposit, uh, reconciling after the work's been completed. And sometimes it's also tagged with some CRM, uh, you know, type, uh, uh, type engagement as well. How did we do things of that nature? So, right. Right. yeah. You know what? I've been really shocked. Like, so we we bought the house that we have now. We bought, uh, I guess it'd be almost three years ago now. And you know, when we we've had so much stuff done to this house. You know, whether it's HVAC, the pool, the you know, all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. I have yet to receive an invoice with a link to pay. <clears throat> I'm like, it's insane. And I mean, like. You know, and so it's just like so underserved, you know, I'm like amazed. And then I'll, I'll talk to the providers and I'm always like, how do I pay this? You seriously want me to sit down and write out a check? I don't even know where my checkbook is. I don't write checks. And do you want me, am I going to call you and give you my card information over the phone? You know, what I, mean? I had right. one guy that came and said, no, I just write it down on my notebook. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're not writing mine down on your notebook. So anyway, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it just seems like they really are kind of behind the times a little bit, you know? Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of prospecting to do. And uh, that's I do, a yes. to be in. Um, I can tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm in the Chicagoland area and one of our corporate offices and, and it seems like it's very well adopted here. I don't get as much of the, hey, you know, send a check. Of course, it's an option, but to your point, you know, checks are still very, very, very widely accepted uh, as a preferred form of payment as well. I saw it in one of your slides there. And, and when you can marry the, the check acceptance with the option of paying by card in the same ecosystem, to me, that's a super efficient uh, conversation to have with that business owner saying, look, how long does it take you a week or a month to reconcile your books? What if I told you you could basically reconcile on this every single day to include both of your ACH or electronic checks and your credit card processing? You know, you can have those conversations. So if you just are able to package some of the basics of the functionality we have to offer today, and again, put it in that specialized package for that prospect, you're winning. And if you've got people like you said out there, they're still accepting, you know, mail-in checks or trying to take a payment over the phone. Those are the folks to go after. I mean, everywhere I went, in fact, I think it cost me my first marriage, but I didn't walk into a place without letting those people know what my services were, what I had to offer, and also being able to speak their language for their vertical industry. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so so now I want to talk for just a minute about about surcharging. So to clarify for everybody on the call, we have you know dual pricing where we have a cash price and a card price, and of course the card price is the card price. It's not the credit card price or the debit card price. It's the card price. But mm-hmm. when we go to compliance surcharging, this is where we're actually adding a fee, but we're only adding it to credit card transactions, not to debit card transactions. And so I know Payrock offers both options. I'm curious to hear. 
what are you seeing in the trend as far as the card not present merchants? Are they going one way or the other? And why is it? I mean, I, I, I think you're going to agree with me on this, at least the data I've seen. It seems like card not present merchants are just a lot more likely to go surcharging. I'm just curious your thoughts on that trend and maybe why you're why we see that so much. Yeah, that's a great question. So again, it depends on the business type, right? So it depends on what kind of customers they have. For for if you're 100% card not present, you are correct. You are more than likely going to lean toward a surcharge type model because you're giving that consumer that choice at the time of transaction that they can use that debit or prepaid card. More than likely, they're going to be using a credit card anyway. But our smart technology will identify that card and let them know during that transaction as they're putting their card in whether or not there'll be a surcharge, whatever's agreed to with the merchant to be applied. Also, you mentioned something that made a lot of sense earlier too with the, the higher tickets um, and then say, no, please, James, don't use your card. It's going to, you know, we're going to get ripped uh, 3% on this. And this jungle gym over here, you just bought, we've only got a 2.5% profit margin on. So if you're also as the merchant able to offer your customer uh, a dynamic, so not per transaction, but per, per business type, you could literally be able to have the conversation with the merchant and say, look, I know you're an auto dealership, your average ticket over here is $2,000. Uh, I know you don't feel comfortable passing say three and a half percent to your cardholders, but on our program, you could pass say two, and then you could eat the other one and a half using three and a half as, a, as an all in number. And so wherever they were today, let's say they were at 285, you just lowered them uh, down to a point and a half. So there's all kinds, of, I like to call it an art form, not a science. And I think that's why we see a lot of the, the, uh, the B2B and also mainly the smaller B2C folks really gravitate towards surcharging because again, again, you're giving the merchant a choice on what they wanna pass along to the, to the cardholders and you're giving the cardholder the choice at the time of transaction as to what form of card they wanna use. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, I think it's very interesting. And I think, um, yeah, I think when you're doing that big transaction too, I mean, you know, when they say you can use your debit card, I mean, it's actually not that difficult you know, to, you know, to reach out to your bank, you know, and, and give them a call. Hey, I'm about to do a $17,000 transaction or a $4,000 transaction or whatever it is. And it's above your limit for them to sure. say, okay, we'll temporarily raise that. And then you run it on debit. So I think that's a, a reasonable option. You know, one of the thing I didn't even have in here, but I want to, I want to bring up actually talk about the ACH part of it though. Right. So like uh, let's, I guess we'll just kind of lump this in with the technology piece. I mean, talk about the technology that you provide to these uh, you know, these card not present merchants today. And then also, what about ACH? Can how do we make money on ACH? Can we give that as an option when they click to pay? Like, talk about that a little bit if you would too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just like any other product, right? You're going to have a Schedule A, right? There's going to be costs for your ACH side. And I'd like to back up a second. Everything that we're doing when we're talking about our surcharge product, our ACH product, our consumer choice reward pay, everything that we're talking about today is we have organically on our own rails within our own ecosystem, Payrock Gateway. Uh, so it's very new to us. We're very excited. We feel like we've got a real great piece of front-end technology to compete with anybody out there, as well as we acquired a, an H, an HCheck uh, 20. It's called HCheck 21. It's an ACH electronic check processing uh, platform. We've integrated that within our uh, gateway ecosystem as well. So when you talk about consumer choice, meaning dual pricing, you're able to say, look, you're all in for your card price, or I can select as the cardholder or the customer, I can select ACH, start putting in my checking account information very quickly and process that. Now there's different, depending upon who you are, Mr. and Mrs. Agent, what your schedule looks like, but there is money to be made on the ACH side as well. But I will tell you as an agent, most of them look at the ACH as the necessary component to provide true compliant dual pricing. So it's hard to offer cash on a, a card not present, uh, a virtual terminal or hosted payment page, whatever, right? So 
that's why that ACH is there. And that's what allows us to get that traction with, uh, with our dual pricing. Yeah. I love that. So it's, it's dual pricing and the dual pricing is here's your ACH price. Here's your car price. Sure. So when they go, when they get that, you know, email invoice out and they click to pay, you're, you're giving them that option on that page to say, what do you, how do you want to pay with a card or ACH? And there's two different prices depending on what they select. Absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So um, one last business type I wanted to touch on, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but B2B. So how has this gone? I, I actually don't know the answer to this one because I it's been a while since I've sold the, the B2B merchants. And when I was selling them, nobody was talking about dual pricing or surcharging. Honestly, that wasn't a thing back then. Um, but what are you seeing with them as far as how are they, uh, you know, how are they gravitating to the technology that you're offering, the Payrock Gateway? Um, what are you offering them in terms of interchange optimization, which you know you touched on earlier? And then are they starting? Are you seeing any movement on surcharge and dual pricing? I know that hasn't been super popular in that in that vertical yet. Yeah, it's it, this is a really uh, we could probably spend an hour on this. The level two we do in our technology front end, we do have level two uh, auto pop uh, auto population, right? And we also have level three capabilities. Most of the businesses that agents and offices go after are not going to be level three uh, right. sophisticated type uh, uh, merchants. Level two, though, you know, you do have to provide a little bit more information to get that downgrade or I'm sorry, upgrade on the, on the pricing for the transaction. Um, so we do help with that as far as auto auto populating a lot of that information. I will say too that with it's interesting with reward pay, it really just depends on the business and what the types of cards are that are coming through that business. And with the statement analysis, you can quickly see what might be better for that specific merchant, right? Is, is is are they a level two? And is level two going to wash out what they would otherwise save on reward pay, meaning our compliant surcharge program? Well, that can be easily digested and, and basically filtered out right away, just knowing what kind of cards are coming through. And so right. I would say it's a, it's a mix of both. I would say that I don't hate to keep using the word unsophisticated, but I say the lesser sophisticated merchants that maybe aren't collecting that data for level two, they're definitely an opportunity for reward pay. And again, they love it because you're giving them that option, right? But it's just a matter of what how sophisticated the merchant is, what kind of cards are coming through, what they're valuing, what their transaction count is, and all of those good things. But we the good news is the Payrock Gateway, we have a solution to meet just about any one of those needs. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about B2B, there's so many other challenges for them, you know, uh, cash flow being the, the main one. And so I think, you know, for them to say right now, it's like they're discouraging card acceptance a lot of times. And instead, they're going through this 60 to 90 day process to get their money via check or whatever. And there's all these other costs associated. And it's kind of like, I think a lot of them are going to start to warm to this idea of, well, just add a surcharge. If it's debit, you know, you're only going to pay 1% or, or whatever. I mean, is it really not worth 1% to get your money right now versus financing this for 60 days or 90? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I think, I think that's going to be really, uh, and, and offering the ACH option as well, right within the gateway. I think all of that is, is really interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point earlier too, you know, with the technology has changed so much over just the last like, four to five years. Um, and, I, and I feel like we're market leading uh, in this, in this category, but, you know, for newer agents out there or even existing agents that haven't really focused on this, I really encourage you to go out and really kind of educate yourself on what level two can, can bring, you know, as far as savings, look at those analysis versus level one uh, and even level three, if you've got those kind of prospects, but also understand what, what the surcharge program could do for these folks or dual pricing. And just be able to go out and have the conversation because I guarantee you if they're using an old auth.net, uh, you know, gateway today and, you know, they, they don't, they're not, nobody's talking to them about this stuff. Exactly. And we start doing the state analysis where you could save 40, 50, 60, 100 percent, you know, of, of what their processing costs are, depending upon the program. Right. You're going you're gonna to garner, uh, you're going to get some attention from them and be able to have that conversation. 
Oh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I remember doing, um, I mean, even through, um, ISOAMP, you know, doing statement analysis, you know, we'll have, you know, there's, there's never a day goes by where we don't get seven or eight statements where they're doing, you know, 500,000 a month B2B. And, you know, the agents, uh, most of the time, if they, if they're not used to it, you know, they're newer, they are just shocked because they get this proposal back and they're going like, wait a minute, this can't be right. Like you're telling me I'm going to make $20,000 a month on this account and I'm going to save them $90,000 a year. And it's like, and, and, you're not, and I'm not going to lower the price. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, what? It's crazy. Now, again, those numbers are a lot there, but you, know, you get the idea, but, but you know, there's big numbers involved with this. And so I think it's really cool to see the B2B stuff. Okay. So my last question for you is, and you just, alluded to it a minute ago, but, um, prospecting strategies, you know, so I talked about it a little bit, but you know, what are you seeing with these partners? I know you have a lot of direct contact with the agent channel, the agents that are selling the card, not present, maybe it's B2B, maybe it's service providers. How are they doing it? Like, what are they doing different than the, the rest of the agent population that's allowing them to bring on these card, not present deals? Yeah, so you you mentioned a key word in your monologue. The word networking comes to mind. Um, you've got agents and offices that specifically, like we have two different groups, really. We've got guys that just will go out there and pound the streets, as you have done in the past. I myself have done. That is hats off. That is not an easy thing to do. But guys love it. They get used to it. They get up in the morning. That's what they want to go do. Right. Then you have other guys that literally focus in. I mentioned before about understanding the vertical and what you're selling into. The more you know and not spray and pray, now you're going in as a consultant. And when you go into consultant and you start talking uh, about their processing, you're also talking about their other uh, business needs, whatever they may be. It's all of a sudden, because it's pretty easy, you get like one or two of these Cardinal present businesses, you know, larger volume. They have friends. They got vendors they do business with. And now you just keep talking to these folks and you, know, you build out that network. It's a slower, but from what I see, James, it's it's a slower sales cycle, right? Yeah. It's, it's yep. not, you're not going to get, you know, 10, 15 of these deals a month. But if you work at it, you might get five or six and the volume will sometimes triple, quadruple what you would normally get out on the street, flip in 15, 20 of these smaller mom and pop standalone devices. Those guys that concentrate on it. And there's also the integrated, some integrated we can mix. I know at Payrock Gateway, we can put in a, a terminal with a card not present uh, mid, all right, with dual pricing, uh, with right. uh, reward pay if we want to. Uh, that's pretty cool to have two tits and a one mid on these kind of programs when you go after card not present because they may do the majority of their business card not present, but they may need to have a need for that device. So you have single reconciliation reporting. So there's all kinds of different things, but I'll tell you that I think networking and really focusing on the verticals that you want to go into is going to garner you a lot more traction in card not present. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, here's what I want to do. We got a couple of questions here. I'm not going to dive too, you know, we're not going to do too long of the Q&A. I want to keep this a little shorter tonight for everybody. I know we're coming up on the on the holiday and everybody's got things that are, they're finishing up. And I thought this was a super valuable conversation that everybody would enjoy. So um, before we do that, I do want to share. Uh, so this is from uh, uh, from uh, James Derby and your team reached out to us. So it's payrock.com slash go. Uh, so if you are interested in learning more, I just put that in the chat for everybody. So if you want to learn more about what uh, James is talking about here with the Payrock Gateway, the solutions that Payrock has to offer, um, I've had a relationship with uh, with Payrock for a long time. Really trust them. Great company to work with. Uh, I really think in the industry right now, uh, and maybe you'd have something to say about this, but it's like, I don't know how many companies are still out there that are really centered around providing a great agent experience. You know, there's a lot of companies that want to provide good solutions through agents. Right. But it's like the agent experience. Maybe talk to us about that for just a minute and then we'll dive into the, to the Q&A. 
I appreciate that opportunity and also happy Thanksgiving to everybody uh, the Friday before. Um, yeah, I would say one of the, you know, my job, so I'm a little biased here, James, but our job is to provide that best home for agents. And we do that really with three different factors. First and foremost is attraction, you know, attracting agents with our technology and our pricing models and what we're capable of doing uh, for their merchants. Number two is really that support that we have for them. The agent for us is our number one customer. Merchants happen to be byproduct of that number one customer being the agent themselves. So if you create a happy, happy, happy agent that's out there and be able to go out there and sell, and then also the third leg is, of course, providing that merchant support. Do all those things together, and you're going to get a world-class agent channel. And that's what I do believe Payrock has today. In fact, we get agents from all over, the grizzled veterans that have been doing this for, I won't mention competitors, for 20 years to people that are just brand new off the street. And it's like, wow, you guys really have support because we really do have an entire layer of support that's literally just dedicated to the agents themselves. Yeah, yeah, love it. So again, I've got the link in there in the chat. It's payrock.com, which is P-A-Y-R-O-C. So P-A-Y-R-O-C.com slash G-O, payrock.com slash go. Um, okay, so let me just throw a couple of questions out and then we'll we'll call it a day. Um, uh, Tam, uh, who's a good friend of mine and sells B2B is talking here about uh, what a hidden gem it is and going after the B2B, especially and, and walking into them. Um, and, I, and I really do agree. It's uh, it's a fantastic opportunity. So how do you overcome the fact that some merchants the uh, feel like the dual pricing is unfair to the client? Um, and so, you know, I don't know. It's been interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you and then I'll give my answer as well. I mean, I don't know. It's been interesting to see because I think the card not present, they, they are a little bit more, uh, what's the word for it? Um, they haven't seen this as much, the right. dual pricing and the surcharging. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on kind of overcoming the resistance to these programs with card not present? So you just nailed it, right? They, they haven't really seen it yet. Um, Payrock is one of the first out the gate to have a true dual pricing and a completely right. card not present ecosystem on Payrock Gateway. So so you're absolutely 100% correct. They're, they're not used to it. And, and I always, when I talk to agents, and once in a great while, I'll talk to friends that are like, what do you do for a living? I, I kind of explain, you know, what is processing, right? Processing is a cost of goods sold element for any business. In fact, it's in the top five of any cost of goods sold element for, for uh, a business that's accepting uh, payments. So just like if I were to walk in, just to keep it simple, I walk into a, a burger shop and I want to sit down and have a hamburger and fries to dine in, it may be 10 bucks. All of a sudden, I look up and I see it's a carryout. It's now $10.40. Well, why is that? Well, they're adding packaging. They're adding uh, plastic forks, wet naps. Uh, they're adding materials to that cost of goods sold element to get that product out the door. Well, cost acceptance for payments is no different. So if we give that consumer that choice, right? They can dine in or they can take carryout using my kind of crude example. Same thing here. They can provide that. Everybody's got a checking account for our dual pricing card not present. Here's your ACH price right here. All you got to do is spend 30 seconds putting in your, in your banking information. Or yeah. I've got a card. Absolutely, you want to use that to get your miles up. You, you yourself are a business. You need it for uh, cash back or whatever. Awesome. But I'm going to elevate that price point a little bit because I simply cannot afford to, to eat the entire cost acceptance for this transaction. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, my, my favorite example right now is, is the fuel station. I love that uh, example. I, you know, I've had so many conversations with business owners now where I've said to them something to the effect of, have you ever been to a fuel station where they had a cash price and a card price? Yeah. And they always say yes. And I yeah. say, and then my, the question I've started asking, which is kind of funny, I, I, it's a little edgy. Some of you might not want to try it. I don't know. It works really well for me. I just say, do you think that's dishonest? That's the question I always ask. And they inevitably say, no, what do you mean? It's not dishonest yeah. at all. 
And then I say, well, why do you say that? Why, do, why are they doing it? And they'll say, because they don't want to pay the credit card processing fees. And I'm like, exactly. I said, have you ever thought about doing that in your business? Right. And they're like, what do you mean? And then you go, so I love that because I think it kind of like grabs them a little bit or they're kind of going, oh, wait a minute. I just said that's not dishonest. So I like to say that that's my introduction to the concept. Sure. And then it kind of heads it off. And then instead of them saying, well, I don't think that's right. It's kind of like, well, they already said it was fine. Right. And they kind of already defended it before I even presented it, you know? So anyway, but, um, okay, here's another really good one for you, actually. So selling the dual pricing to card not present, the biggest disappointment is ACH funding time and transaction size limits in the service industry. Anything we can do to improve that? Yeah. So that is a loaded question. I will only tell you that Rock <laughs> has done a very good job of basically rubber stamping two different ACH uh, programs, if you will. So if you come in, you bring in a merchant and you don't need the full blown ACH, meaning, you know, I need to accept $10,000 a day in electronic checks and I need my money by the day after tomorrow. If you don't need that, we don't need three months of banking statements. We've pared it down to make it very simple. However, there are some smaller thresholds with that you know, up to say $2,000 a day, up to $500 per transaction. But you're going to find that at least in the SMBs, uh, you're not going to find a huge need uh, for those folks. If they're already accepting cards, chances are they don't even have an ACH uh, apparatus in, in a card not present environment to take electronic check. So you're adding something for them that they didn't have before. You're making them feel good that they're offering their customers two different choices. They don't feel like they're burdened with that additional cost all the time if they don't want to. And you're now saving up to about 90, 95% on your total bill for card acceptance. So to me, it's a win, win, win. But we did rubber stamp uh, for certain merchants that don't need that higher uh, ACH volume. Uh, we brought that down to make it very, very quick and painless for the agent. Love it. Yeah, really cool. I mean, it is. It's a tough. I mean, the ACH is a little, you know, it's just different. I mean, there's there's some and a lot of it, too. I think so much of it, right, depends on the merchant. And so there's a lot of variables there. But but sure. there's definitely things that can be done. And I think to, one of the things too, that, that, you know, is interesting is by having everything under one roof and with Payrock being as large as you guys are, yep. at least you have control over the problem. Yeah. You know what you I'm know, saying? So I, I sometimes don't have control. It's in my refrigerator, in my office, but yeah, <laughs> you have control over the transactions. Right. Right. But it's like, kind of like, you know, a lot of these guys, it's like they, they sell ACH for, you know, their processor has ACH through some random company that does ACH and that doesn't really know the business at all. They have like zero control. It's like, it is what it is. Whereas at least with Payrock, I mean, it is a tough challenge, but at least you guys do have it all under one roof. So you can kind of, you know. Yeah. And coming soon to a theater new year, a theater new year, we're going to have everything on one statement too. So, you know, if through the Payrock gateway, you want to have an ACH dual pricing uh, uh, merchant or just ACH standalone with IC plus or whatever it is. Right. We're going to be able to put all of their ACH processing and all of their That's statement cool. process, card processing in the same statement. So it really makes it very nice for the merchant. Cool. All right, we're going to do two more real quick. Uh, this one here, we're talking about compliance and cash discounting versus dual pricing and all that. So let me, I'll give my answer. And if you want to add uh, any context, uh, context to that. So a couple of things about it. First of all, you know, yeah, you know, dual pricing is compliant. And it's one of these things where if you do it correctly, the card brands have specifically pointed to dual pricing and said, if you do a cash price and a card price, or you have two prices, one for one type of currency and, and you know one for the other, um, or you know type of payment type, that that is compliant. Well, the cool thing about card not present is that now with the technology, that's 
like there's no question. It is 100%. You go into a retail store, the question is, well, should they represent it on the shelf? You know, do they have to change their printed menu? And it's kind of like, well, some states, yes. Some states, it gets very messy. With Card Not Present, it's super simple. It's like, we're going to send them a link. When they click the link in the invoice or when they go to the hosted payment page, they are literally going to see these two different prices, the card price and the ACH price. So the importance of the ACH here is, as you pointed out earlier, you got to have that to be able to say it's quote unquote dual pricing because they can't pay with cash. They're, they're on a computer screen. They're not going to insert any cash into that. So you got to have the ACH piece, but I think that's really crucial. Um, in my mind, you know, saying a, a cash discount is a word that people understand saying an ACH discount is not a word people are going to understand as much. Um, right. To me, there's no reason to really do that. It's just, it's dual pricing. It's just like a fuel station. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. That's my thoughts on the compliance side. No, just just going back to what we talked about earlier. Again, a lot of these folks you're going to walk into these businesses aren't even going to have a way to accept electronic checks today. Um, if they've got a if they've got a, a gateway they're using today, it's probably going to be a little antiquated. Um, it's not going to look as clean as fun as what we have. It's not going to have that UI sexy experience to it. And now you offer them, look, look, I'm going to allow you to accept an electronic check. I'm going to give you dual pricing. You're going to accept cards. You're going to be able to pass this much to the consumer to, to take those cards. And now I'm going to give you a really, really healthy savings. Go back to your bottom line. To me, it's just a winning conversation to have with any card not present merchant. Love it. Well, you know what? I think we're going to stop it there. I want everybody to be able to enjoy the weekend. Um, James, thank you so much for taking time. Um, definitely make sure you head over to payrock.com, P-A-Y-R-O-C.com slash go. Uh, check out what Payrock has to offer. I really encourage you to do it. Just have a conversation with them. Talk about it. Maybe it's a good fit for you. Um, head over there. Have a conversation. Payrock.com slash go. Mr. Derby, always a pleasure. Thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com, and we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.